The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything that you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. I've been so pumped to take a couple of friends with our road bikes to some of the trails nearby, and now I can bring the entire crew, my dog, and all of our gear with that third row. Learn more about the new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. I mean, considering... How much these two fan bases love me. (laughs) You might think this would be a finals that was an encapsulation of a walking L. No. Nothing could be further from the truth. I do not dread this. I love this. I, I may have said, I did say, some mean things, some nasty things, some slanderous things about Marcus Smart. I said he's not a real point. I mean, I said both these guys aren't real point guards, let's be honest. Um, I said Marcus Smart was not a, a capable point guard for this team. I said that. I said, I don't care if he's the heart and the soul. This man chucks a million shots. And he still does. He still, I mean, truthfully, he still does. He's lost them some games by doing that. But let's face that. Let's face the truth. Like, they, he might be the perfect point guard for this team. It might not have been Marcus Smart that made Marcus Smart ineffective. It might have just been Brad Stevens. You know? And, like, when he was in charge, trust me, I wasn't the only one saying this about Marcus Smart. Like, they were saying this about Marcus Smart. They rolled out, like, 15 different point guards over while Marcus Smart was on the team over Marcus Smart. This team went 111 games over the past two seasons as a 500 team before they finally got good. How they got to this point from being a team with a wonky roster that made no damn sense, with no point guard, and a GM that no one trusted, and two wings that kind of seem the same, that didn't want to pass to anyone else, including each other. <laughs> like, if, to this is pretty astounding given that the roster construction's largely the same. So let's break it down. Celtics initially turned the corner on defense on November 3rd of this year after Marcus Smart went on a rampage in the media and said, like, these men these men's don't pass the ball. Like, this man, Jalen Brown, don't pass nobody the ball. And everyone was like, oh, Marcus Smart shouldn't have said that. Oh, no. There's, like, first take. Chris, you know, Haynes is doing reporting on it. You have undisputed. I mean, it was on every show. Like, should Marcus Smart have laid out, aired out his team's dirty laundry in the media, or should he have handled that internally? I mean, it worked, didn't it? 
I mean, caused some friction, but they really refocused again after the first Knicks loss on January 6th. Since that date, January 6th, the Celtics are number one in net rating, number one in defensive rating, and number eight in offensive rating. In 2020 to 2021, the season was a mess, as we know. They finished the year, if you're not remembering, because it's hard, right, when teams are doing well to remember that, like, because I went on Reddit today, yeah, from a year ago. It's just like, if I could turn back time. So I did. I was like, what were they saying? What were the hardcore fans saying a year ago? What were they saying five months ago? It's not good in the streets. There's blood in the streets there during that time period. They went 36 and 36. 36 and 36. They barely made the playoffs. They had to squeak their way in to play the Nets and have a gentleman sweep. They were supposed to be a play. I think they got, no, they were a play-in team that made it to the eight seed. Could not figure out how to close out games. Tatum and Brown hurt a lot. They gave up. I had a running, t- I swear to God, I swear on my mom's life, I had a whiteboard that I wrote on solely tallying how many times the Celtics blew 10 point or more leads. I believe it was up to 40. 40 games. It was over 38. I remember seeing in my mind's eye the whiteboard of 38. With big eye emojis next to it. It's not good. And then I said, like, what do you do? Got to move them. Got to move Jalen Brown. Got to move Jason Tatum. One of them. Jalen is is probably a lesser version. Get rid of him. Get rid of Danny, which they did. Get rid of Brad Stevens, which they did. Get rid of Fournier, which they did. Get rid of Kemba, which they did. A lot of the things that I had in store, they did. Thank God. I said they needed a P.J. Tucker. And I couldn't have been more right. They went out and got Al Horford, leader of the team when they went to the Eastern Conference Finals the last time around. Al Horford is beloved in Boston, and they got him for a song. I don't think they had to give up much to get him after he was at the uh, rehab factory that is the Oklahoma City Thunder. And most of all, I was like, yo, they need also a new coach. This Brad Stevens guy, great college coach. He's not putting any dog in these men. What am I... Jason Tatum looking at you like Butler? I don't get Come on. You're not drawing me up anything that's going to motivate me. He's soft-spoken. What is he going to f***ing say when the chips are down? He's like, all right, they don't want to see us. No. He's like, all right, guys, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to execute effectively. Uh, we're going to pass the ball. Uh, seize on three. One, two. No. Like, they needed a guy from the culture, for the culture, about putting accountability into this team and wrecking shop if they don't do it. And he did. He came in and he bullied and buried his own boss on national television at his first day of work at the press conference. Sorry, Brad. As Brad sitting right next to him. Sorry, Brad. This team was soft in, in under their last regime. Uh, what do you mean? Like, he's sitting right next to you. They're not going to be soft with me. I'm going to toughen him up. My co-host, I offered to uh, watch his son, and I said, uh, I'll teach Nathan how to be tough. And he was like, I don't know what that means, but that sounds scary. And that's what Ime Udoka did. He like, I'm going to bury you in the media if you don't do what you're supposed to do. 
And that's what he did. Ding, ding, ding. Three for three. Last season ended. They blew up. Danny Ainge, he's gone. He retired, quote-unquote, then he went to Utah. So was it retirement? No. Then they ended up firing Brad Stevens, who ended up getting a promotion. Was it really a promotion, or was it firing? Probably just the latter. They made changes to the roster, as I said. Nobody thought that the Jays could make it work, but the head coaching situation was the connective tissue, even at the halfway point this year. Boston was 20-21, and 21, seemingly in the exact same spot, even slightly worse than they were the year before, where they barely made the play-in tournament. They were in the same spot. They were in the 11 seed. The Celtics had a horrible first half of the year. People on Reddit, because I went on Reddit today, they were mad. They were very mad. They had just come off of blowing a 25-point lead to the Knicks. The Knicks, Evan Fournier went absolutely bananas. Fournier had 41 points in that game. And then when Ime came in and he did what we said he, he said he was going to do, hold him accountable, have him not be soft, pass the f- ball, and he said this, repetitive result, this is happening. Either we're going to make some adjustments and get tired of it, or it's going to keep happening. We need leadership, somebody that can calm us down, not get rattled when everything starts to go a little south, and I think it snowballs between our guys. Or do I have to stop all of our momentum and pace and call a play? Do I need to do that? It's obviously some kind of lack of mental toughness there. And something goes a little bad, we all start dropping our head, and everybody adds to it instead of stepping up and calming us down. Whoa. That, my friends, is an all-encompassing, from top to bottom, stars to role players, this team is soft. This team isn't getting it done. Either they're going to wake up and say, we're not going to take it, or they're going to keep getting their ass beat. I don't know. It's not up to me. It's not up to me. I can only tell them so much. And he kept burying them and burying them, and I'm like, this coach is going to get fired. <laughs> like, this coach isn't long for the situation. Reddit's talking about firing him, too. And everyone, no exceptions, Ime, selfish. Their mental toughness isn't working. Like I said, people were calling Ime Udoka. Is this guy just a younger Doc Rivers who can't call plays? Like, doesn't understand X's and O's? Like, he's a nice guy to look at. Seems like he's got the right things to say, and this sucks. Fast forward into the playoffs, and boy, I went to Reddit from today. I went to Reddit from a month ago, and it's like Ime Udoka coaching circles around everybody else. Ime Udoka clearly outcoached every single opponent in his way. Steve Nash, that's a wrap. Budenholzer, obviously a wrap. And yes, even Eric Spolstra. They've beaten Durant, Giannis, Jimmy Butler. So what changed? How the hell did this Boston Celtics team with very little changes to the roster do this? I think the interesting thing about the Celtics and the Warriors is they just didn't really change the core. They found role players that slotted into the identity that they needed and got rid of the dead weight. Guys that didn't fit into the identity with playing defense, guys that couldn't play into the identity of shooting threes, open ones at that. Evan Fournier, gone. Kevin Walker, gone. Tristan Thompson, gone. Do you think those guys can play defense one through five, switch on defense? Hell no. You think they can hit an open? You think Tristan Thompson can hit an open three? Stop. They, they brought in Al Horford, Josh Richardson, who they promptly got rid of because he couldn't play three and D. Cantor, who they promptly got rid of. Schroeder, then they promptly got rid of him as well. Bringing in Derek White, 
especially the fact that Derek White fit in as that San Antonio San Antonio system. Guys that would be the weak link when switching on defense or guys that were a weak link on offense had to go and they had to strengthen the role players. The core of this roster, Smart, Tatum, Brown, Two Williams, unchanged. Here's how they resurrected the season in the last 41 games. Plan from the beginning, Ime's plan, centered around making Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown playmakers and then creating a dominant defense. Took a bit of time for the team to learn, to buy into the, to the ways of the world, to execute Ime's defensive scheme consistently. And to be honest, getting rid of guys that were like Richardson and Schroeder and adding another defensive first, pass first guard forward into Derek White helped a ton. Mark Smart came back from injury, and all of a sudden it, it coincided with Ime being like, yeah, I'm done trying other options. It's your team, Marcus. Like, we're not going to have you come off the bench anymore. We paid you. We've rolled out Terry Rozier. We've rolled out Kemba. We've rolled out Kyrie. None of these guys, they all want to get theirs. You don't care about that as much. Just, just play point guard. You're our point guard. We're leaning all into you, and that's what it's going to be. He's been asking for that responsibility. He's been shouting for that. He's been talking about it in the media, Marcus Smart, and now you've got it, Marcus. Then he gets defensive player of the year, and this team goes on a rocket ship. Ime then shifted Time Lord into the basketball equivalent of a free safety where he's going to create chaos on the court, just hunting down shooters, blocking shots from everywhere. Not just me, but a lot of other players thought he was the best defensive player, not only on the Celtics, but in the entire NBA, given that he had the most amount of blocks every single place on the court. Corner threes, in the paint, wherever. And then... His injury hurt the team, but when he came back, that gave them the boost they needed. They practiced constantly and consistently on switching on defense to the point that they switched on defense more than any other team in the NBA, which allowed them to be able to have their defensive rotations work efficiently and optimally without Ime having to run and call a timeout when a run starts. And then this team became resilient overnight. It was like all of a sudden they woke up and they were like, you know what? We're tired of getting beaten when we're up. Like we're just gonna we're just gonna close out games now. And that's what they've done. From being just five hundred in clutch games, which are games decided by five points or less earlier in the year, they won two game sevens on the road. On the road. And Ime said To get to this point, we had to flip the switch and turn it around in a lot of ways. Guys were always receptive to coaching, to being coached hard, to being pushed and being asked to do more. That shows the character of our group. Young guys that really want to be pushed to grow and take the next step, they've all been here. And to get to the championship is obviously the next step, but our focus is now getting four more. Finished 51-31. and The best, best record ever. Ever for a team under 500 at the halfway point. Wow. Left for dead. Only time ever a team has made it to the finals after being less than 500 at the halfway point. Left for dead. And the only, like, everyone was like, oh, yeah, this team fucking sucks. Like, they're just the exact same. And the only one that seemed to believe in the Celtics was Ime Udoka. And now he's going to probably win Coach of the Year next year. He's been rewarded for his patience. I would not be surprised if he didn't get an extension as soon as he was eligible for one. This team's not only been good, they've been the best team in the NBA hands down with a bunch of long, athletic, strong guys who can defend everything and be able to shoot from almost everywhere. It's no fluke that they've made the finals. 
And now in Ime's first year, they're a team that reflects not only his serious, sober demeanor, but a team with a mean streak and a chip on its shoulder, just like Ime Udoka, which down the road we will get in to his journey. But Because if you haven't gone to the Wikipedia machine or the Google machine, my guy from my neighborhood, Ime Udoka, is as gritty and resilient and as dogged as they come.